Matthew 7, verses 13 to 28. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few will find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears those words of mine and, do not, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed by his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. Well, familiar words to end the uh, Jesus way that we've been looking at. So I wonder how your week has been. Um, I guess one thing that probably unites us all is that we've been uh, going through and shaking up a difficult time and um, the world has been shaken. In many ways, uh, none of us could have possibly imagined just a few weeks ago how things have changed uh, in just a small period of time. Remember last Monday, we had lockdown and uh, reality ever since then has been, I think, hitting home, hasn't it? And uh, we're in the middle of it, each one of us. Even the Prime Minister and members of his cabinet have now been directly affected. Uh, we know that because one thing has been revealed by this coronavirus, and that is we're, we're all vulnerable. We like to think of ourselves as strong. But in this day, we know that we are all fragile at times. And something can change from going well to going badly in a very short period of time. At the same time, there have been good signs. Uh, H last week was talking about how uh, we need to learn to be open-hearted. And uh, as we've looked around this, this week, there have been some great signs, haven't there, of open-heartedness. Um, over 500,000 people uh, volunteering to help the NHS. That's just incredible in, in like two days. 
Uh, and then that amazing clap that we had for the NHS on Thursday night. Just really moving to see how people want to say thank you uh, for, for really amazing gestures. And then the government announcing unprecedented um, state intervention to protect jobs and to protect livelihoods. Um, it's stuff we've not seen before. And then even in our church family too, although we are not able to meet physically uh, for services and, and our groups have, have stopped physically, we've been meeting. We've been meeting by Zoom. We've been meeting virtually. We've been talking on the phone. There have been more connections than ever before. But economically and politically and spiritually, this is a time of shake-up. It's a time of, of change. It's a huge wake-up call. And actually, it's just the beginning, isn't it? Um, we're going to have to go through this over the weeks and over the months. It's actually just been one week, let me remind you, one week since the lockdown. It's been uh, one week of children uh, being at home. Let's have a special thought for those who've got school-aged children. Um, I love this photo which was shared with us um, by Chloe earlier on of um, <laughs> the results of uh, <clears throat> a first week of homeschooling. But even better than that is a photo that was sent to me by my brother showing what happened when his nephews got hold of the electric, electric razor. Uh, his children, my nephews, his children. Um, and uh, well, there you go. Um, that's the sort of thing that can happen, but uh, it's a time of shaking. And like all shaking, this time is revealing uh, what's underneath. What is it that our lives are, are built on? What is it that we turn to when things get, get difficult? And it's revealing to each of us the strength of our foundations. And so the, here's the question that we need to face this morning. In our troubled times when everything around us is moving, uncertain, unclear, when we're aware as, as never before of our own limits, what can be our solid foundation? And once again, uh, and it is extraordinary how over the weeks we've seen this, Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount speaks hope and life directly into our situation. So we've heard it, the age-old story the story of two men, two men building houses, both of them. Both have the same dream. There's lots they have in common, in fact. Um, they want to build a lovely house, a place to live in. Well, I guess lots of us want that. And interestingly enough, in the Bible, the image of a house is, is quite a diverse thing. It can speak uh, about our own individual lives. My house is my dreams, my, my, my longing for success or for a fulfilled life. But in scripture, house can also mean a family, a household, those who are closest to us. And don't we too have dreams for our children, for those that we love? In scripture, a house can also speak about the local church. Remember, in the New Testament, we're told that the church is like a living house made out of living stones where each one has its place. 
But in scripture, the, the, the image of a house can also speak about society. In, in the Old Testament, uh, we read uh, time and again about the house of David, meaning that the people together, the, the whole population. So whatever level we take this story, it's a story about men building a house. And both of them are doing the same thing. They're both wanting to build something good, make something out of their lives, their connections, those around their place in society, their belonging. But they've got other things in common too. These two men who build are both in the same church. We know that because they've both got the same pastor. They've both got the same teacher. The preacher is Jesus himself. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty amazing church. Jesus is the one doing the teaching here. They both hear it. They both hear Jesus' teaching. And both men in the story are confronted with the same problems. It's not like one's got an easy route and the other one's got a difficult route. The reality is that the same thing comes to both of them, shakes their existence. It's a storm. A storm comes out of nowhere. In many ways, that's us, isn't it? Troubles in Scripture. We read about them and then we discover that it's also us. In fact, it's interesting in Scripture that troubles and storms are, are, are rarely a sign of God being far away. They're mainly a sign of God being close because they're an opportunity to discover something new about his presence. A bit like we heard in Psalm 46, God is our refuge, a help in trouble. It's the moment to discover that God is with us. And so in the story of Jesus, the, the, the wind and the rain, they come and they come against the two houses. Same thing happening. But that is where in the story of Jesus, the two men are different. One is wise. The other, we're told, is foolish. Despite everything that they have in common, they are fundamentally different, in fact. Wise, foolish. Now, it's interesting in Scripture that wisdom is not primarily about what we know, although, of course, that's important. It's important to read Scripture. It's important to know truth. But, but wisdom is not primarily about head knowledge, about what we know. In the Bible, it's possible to be very intelligent, but also very foolish. Who is the wise man in Jesus' story? Well, Jesus says it very clearly. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, verse 24, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The difference between wisdom and foolishness, between the wise man and the foolish man, is not their knowledge. It's not their belonging to church. It's their foundation. It's what is secret because, of course, you don't see the foundations of a house once it's been built. It's unseen. 
But the one builds on rock and the other builds on sand. Now, the foundation built on rock is, is solid. The house built on sand is all about movement. The rock is hard, the sand is easy. The rock is costly, the sand is cheap. The rock takes time, the sand is quick and easy. So on the surface, both houses look alike. But when the storm comes, when all is shaken, suddenly the, the foundations, that's what matters. We watched a film um, a couple of weeks ago as a, as a family, uh, Titanic, amazing film. And um, what struck me seeing that film was the way in which at the time that ship was understood to be unsinkable. Um, and there's a moment in the film where um, the captain, um, Edward John Smith, uh, says the, this famous line, even God couldn't sink this ship. That's how sure they were of their house. And yet we know the story of how the ship hit an iceberg and the world's largest ship with the most expensive rooms, with the, the most exquisite features and the most exclusive passengers went down in a matter of hours. Friends, in our day, we are being shaken. And shaken like none of us could have imagined um, even a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Our way of life is being shaken. We're having to do things in a new way. Our house is being shaken. And the question is, what can give us that firm, solid foundation? so that our house does not fall. And Jesus says it very clearly. The wise man is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice. That's the wise man. That is the solid foundation on which to build. For Jesus in our passage, there are just two ways to build. Wise, foolish. Just like there are two ways to follow him. The narrow gate and the broad way. The narrow gate, the faithful way, the hard way, making costly decisions, putting him first. The broad way is the easy one, following the flow. Or two ways to bear fruit. The one, a good tree, planted by water, bringing good fruit. That's a heart back to Psalm 1, the wise person. But the other is the bad fruit coming from a bad tree. Two ways to live. In fact, the whole of um, the Sermon on the Mount is about choosing. It's about choosing the Jesus way. And Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that requires saying no to easy things. No to easy answers. No to easy comforts. 
but it's also saying yes. Yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to standing on the rock. So today is a time where we are being shaken, but it is also a call to the church to stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Not just to say it, not just to sing it, but to put it in practice, to put into practice what we believe, to let it shine out of our lives. That is the Jesus way. And it encompasses the whole of the Sermon on the Mount as we've been seeing through the last uh, five weeks. It's a way that is focused on Jesus. It's his words that we're hearing because we're called on the Jesus way to have the mind of Christ. We are called to look more like Jesus. But the Sermon on the Mount is also about the Father because we're called to have the heart of the Father. We're not just called to look more like Jesus, we're also called to love more like the Father. But the Sermon on the Mount is also about the Spirit. It's about having the feet of the Spirit, living more by the Spirit. Now you might say that the Spirit doesn't really feature in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's true in a sense. But the Spirit is like the feet that help us move as Christians. And the footprint of the Spirit is throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We've been having it every week. We began, do you remember, with the Beatitudes, blessing. That's what the Spirit does. We then heard about salt and light. We're called to be salt and light. That's what the Spirit produces. About good deeds. It comes from the Spirit. About a call to be holy, perfect, That only comes through the Holy Spirit as he works in us. We thought about the way in which we're called to pray, to fast, to give, and we receive the Father's reward. That comes through the Spirit. And then Jesus saying last week, how much more when we come to the Father will he give us good gifts? And in Luke's version of that verse, it says how much more will the Heavenly Father give his Spirit to those who ask him? And then today it's all about good fruit. Friends, this is the spirit at work. So the Jesus way. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's it's about having the mind of Christ so we can look more like him. It's about having the heart of the Father so we can love more like him. And it's about having the feet of the Spirit so that we can live more with him. The Jesus way. You know, it might be a narrow way, It may well be a hard way, a demanding way, a costly way. But according to Jesus in our passage, it is the way to life. It is the way to fruitfulness. And the Jesus way is the way to true security. When the storm comes, we are not shaken. So the man building on the rock builds the Jesus way. He builds confident in the Father's love. He he builds for tomorrow with confidence and hope. The Jesus way is about looking forward. It's not about worrying for tomorrow, but it's about building for tomorrow. Like uh, the old hymn says, peace for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. 
Blessings all mine and 10,000 besides. What, why 10,000 besides? Well, maybe because then we become dispensers of blessings as we walk on the Jesus way. Blessings for others. So friends, today we are being shaken. We have to live differently. Individually, as a church, as a society. We, we can't do things as we did yesterday. That, that's not the issue. That's not the question. The real issue is this. Can we learn from this time so that we can check our foundations and then live differently, not just today, but tomorrow? I believe that the church of tomorrow is being tested today. Now is the time to reassess our foundations, friends. Now is the time to stand firm on the rock. Now is the time to do what Jesus says. Now is the time to allow God to reveal where we need to change, to put in place ways of living and of being for tomorrow. And so that it can overflow, so that our confidence can shine out. In fact, I like to think that we're not just called to be a house on a rock, but we're called to be a lighthouse on a rock, shining out, shining out God's love, shining out his peace, shining out his joy, praying like never before. In Christ, you know, we have hope. We can build with hope because we believe in God's kingdom. Our building is secure. In Christ, we can offer hope to others. I was struck this week in daily readings that um, Pete Gregg is suggesting in the 24-7 reflections and devotional uh, he was thinking about Romans 15, verse 13, and it says this, and, and it's, a, it's a great way to end. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's being a lighthouse. This is what Pete says in his commentary. To know God is to know hope. His will for us is fullness of joy, fullness of peace, and so much hope that it overflows from our lives into everyone we meet. They walk away from spending time with us feeling brighter, more confident, less worried. How on earth is this possible, especially right now when the world is so bleak and our own personal circumstances so incredibly difficult? Well, it's not just about positive thinking. The Apostle Paul in this verse says that we receive peace and joy by trusting God and we receive hope by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing stuff. And then Pete Gregg says, and I like this, he says we are called to be hope dispensers. Hope dispensers in a hopeless world. That, friends, is the Jesus way. Walking, thinking, praying, speaking, giving, seeing, acting the Jesus way. On the Jesus way, there, there are storms, but there is no fear. There is trust. Building on the rock gives confidence. There is security. There is hope. On the Jesus way, we have the mind of Christ, the heart of the Father, and the feet of the Spirit to go where he calls us and to do whatever we can 
to let that hope shine out of our lives for the good of the world. Amen. Let's just take a moment, shall we, in quiet to come to the Lord and to pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the Jesus way. And today, dispersed in our homes, in front of our screens, but united in you, we want to follow the Jesus way. We want to shine out, Lord, We long for our lives to be built on the rock. We want to be like a a lighthouse shining out your hope and your peace and your joy. We offer ourselves afresh to you, Lord, today. And as we think about those that we love, those that live around us, those that are in need, as we think about your world, We call on you, God our Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Thank you that in you we can stand firm on the rock. We choose life today. In Jesus' name, amen.